Hello, everyone, and welcome to Staffer, the show about people who work in government or politics at any level and what they take from the experience. I'm your host, Jim Papa, a partner at Global Strategy Group and a former staffer myself. My guest today is Josh Shapiro, Attorney General for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and a candidate for governor. Josh has held elected office since 2005, and at every step, he has achieved really meaningful, incredible results. As Attorney General, he has taken on insurance companies in order to protect people's access to health care. He has prosecuted scammers who are preying on seniors and veterans. He's gone after polluters, protected reproductive rights, and enforced public corruption laws. Perhaps more famously, he also led a grand jury investigation that exposed 300 predator priests and the playbook that was used to protect them. Before serving as Attorney General, Josh served as chairman of the Montgomery County Commissioners. There, he took steps to combat the opioid and heroin epidemic, helped the first LGBTQ couples in Pennsylvania marry, and turned around the county's finances. His career as an elected official began in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, where he represented the 153rd Legislative District. While there, it was his ethics reform bill, one of the toughest in state history, that one paper called, quote, a blast of oxygen in the smoke-choked back rooms of quid pro quo Harrisburg. But before all of that, Josh was a staffer. I got to meet him when he was a chief of staff in the House of Representatives. While he was on Capitol Hill, he worked for two U.S. senators, Carl Levin of Michigan and Bob Torricelli of New Jersey. He also worked for two House members, Peter Deutsch of Florida and Joe Huffle of Pennsylvania. Along the way, he also earned his law degree by going to school at night at Georgetown. As I was preparing for this episode, I kept seeing the same comments about Josh. Shapiro works hard. He's proactive. He gets things done. He's a consensus builder. And it's all true. That's why I am truly thrilled and honored to be able to share this conversation with you. Josh and I recorded this episode on Monday, March 14th. I hope you enjoy it. Attorney General Josh Shapiro, welcome to Staffer. It's so great to be with you, Jim, and good to see you. It is wonderful to see you and to have you on the show. I have wanted you on uh, for quite some time. So thank you for saying yes. Um, well, you and I you go made... way back. You and I go way we back. To our days wandering around on the Hill together as junior staffers. So I'm excited to see all your success and have the chance to talk with you this morning. Well, I I was more junior than you. And um, you're, we're going to dive in. Your career has all just right. been an inspiration. Um I like to start, though, at the beginning uh, of people's lives. And I, I know you grew up in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and I understand your dad uh, was a pediatrician, your mother an educator. Yep. I like, I'd, I'd love to hear, like, what was home life like that facilitated you meeting public service and politics? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My, my home life had a lot of um, sort of touch points that focused on service and community activism, but not really politics. You know, I wasn't a young boy wanting to go into politics. In fact, um, it it was more focused on human rights issues across the globe. It was more focused on helping um, those who were less fortunate, being charitable, oftentimes through um, our faith and our, you know, faith institutions. And that's really just how I grew up. And layer on top of that, 
a dad who you mentioned, you know, is the local pediatrician. You know, every everybody in the neighborhood went to him when their kid needed help. And mom was an educator. And so I was constantly confronted by people saying, Oh, your mom was the best teacher I ever had, or you know, your dad took care of me when I was younger, or took care of my kid, or whatever the case may be. And so I just like grew up in a house where it was about helping other people and and service to others. And of course, I grew up in a house where faith played a central role in my life. And our faith teaches us to be very involved and engaged in trying to repair the world. And so for me, that that's what my earliest memories were. It wasn't until much later, actually in college, where I began to be interested in politics per se, but it was oftentimes as I was growing up about service to others. So you mentioned college. You attended the University of Rochester. You got involved in campus life and student government. Um, your your first job after college, I understand, was down in Capitol Hill working for Senator Carl Levin of Michigan. Yeah. How did that happen? How did you get from the University of Rochester to Capitol Hill? So actually, it goes all the way back to freshman year. And um, something that happened to me in one day of my freshman year. Uh, first thing that happened, Jim, was I got cut from the men's basketball team. And yes, a short Jewish guy like me could actually ball back then. And I still play, certainly not as quick as I was. The second thing that happened that day was um, I flunked out of pre-med. I thought I was going to be a doctor like my dad. And, you know, we had this big exam, which was one of the prerequisite courses. I studied and I was a good student and I put in the time and I just couldn't get it. And it also was not at all interesting to me. The third thing that happened that day uh, was someone knocked on my dorm room door and said, hey, you should run for student government. The student government. Why would I ever do that? And first thing my buddy said, well, you have nothing else going on for you right now. You got cut from the team. You, you basically flunked out of your major, right? So like you got nothing else doing. And I thought, man, that would be kind of kind of interesting. And um, one thing led to another. I ran. I won. There was like big campus issues that I ended up taking a lead on. And then the end of my freshman year, I actually ran for student body president. Like no freshman had ever run. It was always like a junior who was going to be a senior. And I won. Um, actually knocked on all the doors on campus, which I would later do as a candidate for state rep. And that's where I really got super interested in advocacy and politics and government. And then my studies naturally changed to focus on political science. And then from there, I had this incredible professor, one one of sort of the, the fathers of modern political science, Dick Fenno, who ran a semester program on the Hill. And I got this semester internship with Carl Levin. And that is really what kind of sparked my interest in the Hill, connected me to Levin. And then, you know, a year later, after that semester, junior year, a year later, I went back to the Hill and they offered me a full-time job. And that began my career on the Hill. Incredible. What a turning point of a day that, you know, I'm sure felt awful for most of that day. <laughs> And and maybe for a week or so, right? But yeah. you know, such a reminder that the, the things in life that are you know that you didn't ask for uh, that come your way are sometimes the most important and, and yeah. beneficial. Yeah, look, and I think I, I tell students this all the time: you got to be open to failure, and you got to be open to opportunity, and you got to always follow your passion, not some you know preordained plan that someone else puts out for you. And 
Uh, my college experience, I think, is not dissimilar from others who, you know, think they're going to do one thing, end up doing another. It's just that mine landed me on a path to a career that I absolutely love and um, really, you know, proud to be on till this day. So uh, you started working for Senator Carl Levin uh, on Capitol Hill. Um, you and I got to know each other later. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you worked for four different uh, elected leaders, both in the House and in the Senate. Yep. They were very four different people. Um, so tell me about how sort of what you learned about yourself in operating with, you know, different uh, leaders, different teams and having to, you know, pursue not necessarily different agendas, but certainly nuanced policies and, and different yeah. priorities. Yeah, look, they were all really different people and I had really different jobs. I mean, for the first three years down there, I worked for basically, you know, roughly three different members. And then for the last, you know, half of my nine years or so on the Hill, I worked for one member as their chief of staff. And so, you know, I had the chance to literally start out for Carl Levin answering telephones, right? Listening to constituents, being able to understand their concerns and help communicate that to either the senator or senior staff, and then, you know, move my way up doing different jobs. I, I would say that um, the one thing I learned from Carl Levin, you know, may he rest in peace, is um, how to ask good questions. You know, no matter how prepared I was for a meeting with Carl, or no matter how prepared I saw his senior team was when I had the privilege of being able to be in a meeting with them, uh, he always asked a question that no one, you know, seemed to anticipate or prepare for. And so now as, yeah. you know, the principal really over the last, I guess, 18 years of my life here, I've worked really hard to both ask my staff questions um, that are tough and probing and be prepared for them to ask me tough questions. And so that to me was um, a really important lesson from Carl. And then I'd say as as chief of staff, um, you know, it, it was all about just organization. How do you both kind of prepare long-term plans and long-term goals and carry them out and then also deal with the emergencies of the day? And certainly, um, I, I learned a lot in that position as a chief of staff and, and apply it still to this day. And I, I'd say the final thing overall is I have great respect and admiration for my staff, both in the attorney general's office and in the um, Shapiro for Pennsylvania office, you know, our, our gubernatorial campaign. Uh, I have great respect for everybody at every level. And I, you know, I've done those jobs. Uh, and so I have a, a sensitivity and I'm certainly at a point in my career now where I realize they're way better at doing those jobs than I could be. And so I think probably early on, I probably micromanaged way more than a, a typical elected official would. And now I, I think I've done you know the opposite. I hire really good people. Um, I, I make sure there are folks who are going to challenge me day in and day out. I let them do their jobs. I ask tough questions and I push hard, but I never expect something of them that I wouldn't do myself or haven't done myself. So I think those experiences on the Hill certainly have made me a better, um, you know, attorney general, better state representative, better county commissioner, now a better gubernatorial candidate because of those experiences. If you uh, if there was an opportunity for a staffer to spend a month in the shoes of the principal. What would they learn? 
in the shoes of this principle? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, there, there are certain things that like once you're on the other side of the desk, like you can't, you know, you don't know till you get there. I assume. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and having been a staffer for a long time, you then served as state rep, at, you know, on the Montgomery County yeah. uh, Commission now as AG. What what is it on, you know, your side of the desk, so to speak, that staffers, if they could magically spend a month in your shoes, would know better? Look, I, I, these are really interesting questions, Jim, not ones that I've I've thought a lot about. So I'll kind of just give you my knee jerk response. Um, you know, as a staffer, particularly as a chief of staff, you're working really hard to limit the number of issues you're bringing to the principal, to the congressman, the senator, whatever the case may be. And you reach a point, though, where you've sort of maxed out on your ability to make a decision because the final step needs to be made by the principal. Yeah. And so you're constantly like cataloging those things to bring them to the, you know, the principal and say, okay, here's your choice, A, B, Here's what we collectively think. Here's what we would advise you, but make your decision. Obviously, now when you're on this side of the desk, you um, you have to make the final call. No one else can. Now, I am someone who likes to be surrounded by people who challenge me, who think different than me, who bring different perspectives. I do not like to be surrounded by people who tell me how awesome I am or how smart I am or how right I am all the time. Um, because it's just not true, right? I want people who are going to challenge me and force me to think about issues, recognizing I get to make the final call. So that's the obvious difference, um, and and something that you know any principal has to you know be in a position to make a decision. Now, I happen to be a principal who's an executive, not a legislator, and so the decisions are far more final, far more concrete. And one of the things I've certainly learned as attorney general. You know, we have a big office, 1,000 employees, a lot of big issues that we're dealing with every day. One of the things I've learned is the decisions that do make it to your desk, particularly if you have a really good senior team, as I do, that limit the number of things that get to your desk, those things that get to your desk are never easy decisions because all the easy decisions got made way before they got to you. And so that is um, certainly something that is uh, different than being a staffer and certainly something that over many years is a skill that I've, I've, um, you know, worked on and one that you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at. Yeah. Well, and you are running for governor and should you win as I hope what you the do, signs say, Jim, that's what, that's right. That I, I, I'm just reading what's over your shoulder. Um, you know, there'll be 80,000 public servants, um, who work, uh, in, in, in government, uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. And you will work with many, many of them, but not all of yeah. them. Right. And, you know, what What do you want folks um, to know if they are, you know, working for a Governor Shapiro um, about your expectations for staffers? Well, I, I think it'll be the same as when I took over as Attorney General. Granted, I only have 1,000 employees as AG. There'll be 75, 80,000 as governor. But um, I want them to know that I value their work. I want them to understand how they fit into the process, right? What's their role? What are they supposed to be doing to help deal with um, the constituents, the citizens of Pennsylvania that I, uh, God willing, will have the opportunity to serve as as governor? 
and help them understand the broad objectives, right? I get to set the goals, obviously in consultation with our team. And then I need everybody to understand the direction that they're rowing in. It doesn't mean that they don't get to voice an opinion. It doesn't mean that they don't get to voice opposition um, or, or uh, you know, differences with the position that we lay out. But at the end of the day, I get to make that call. It's best if they feel as though they've been heard and then they're part of the process of implementing said decision. I think it's really important to support public servants and to have their backs and not just in what we pay them and their benefits and things like that, but to let them know that they're valued. And that, you know, I couldn't do my job as attorney general and certainly wouldn't be able to do it as governor without the commitment of these fine public servants. And so they need to know that I have their back, that they're supported, that they have a voice and that they need to understand kind of how they fit into the, the overall process of doing good for the people of Pennsylvania. I have a, a couple of recurring segments that I like to ask our guests. Um, okay. One of them, one of them is called In the Vault. Can you tell me about a time that you made a mistake, what it was, and what you learned from it? Man, um, I mean, look, you know, you make mistakes all the time. I, I would say the important thing is learning from those mistakes. There have been times where I've probably made a decision before having enough information, and maybe it turned out okay, but maybe we injected a little bit too much risk into that decision. And then there've been other times where maybe I waited a little too long to make a decision. And so the circumstances kind of moved on with without me. And so you didn't have an opportunity to kind of lead, but rather you were sort of part of that movement. Um, and, and I think for any good leader, you gotta know when the right time is to make the call, to make the decision. And you and you alone, have to you know, kind of be able to trust your gut or your instinct on how to do that. I remember reading, and I reflect on this a lot, I remember reading um, uh, one of Colin Powell's uh, autobiographies, I forget the title, but he talked about how to make decisions in military you know, situations. And obviously that is not a situation I'm in, but I thought his um, thinking on it was really interesting to me, that you want to be able to gather enough facts and enough data and information to make a well-informed decision, but to make one where your decision can have an impact, meaning the situation hasn't sort of passed you by. So he sort of thought about it from a zero to 10, zero being the least amount of information, 10 being all the information in the world. Obviously, if you wait for 10, there's no decision to make. It's already been made for you. But you, you know, your sweet spot is kind of four, five, six, and maybe you want to try and get closer to six. Than four. And so I reflect on that a lot, uh, whether it's a, you know, a decision on, hey, we should bring criminal charges or we should file that lawsuit or we should take this you know, particular position. You want to learn as much as you can. You want to be informed, but you also want to be in a position where you can lead and bring about change based on how you think it, it ought to go. And, and that's something that you know, I, don't, I don't always get right. And so I think about how to best do that and how to make decisions that positively impact people's lives and, and to do it at the exact right moment. Um, my, my next question for you is called Across the Aisle. Um, you have, throughout your career in public service, um, 
earned a reputation as a consensus builder and someone who works well with people of all parties. Is there someone across the aisle with whom you've developed a good relationship, um, you know, that really stands out or, you know, that you can, um, that you've admired even uh, for their work, um, you know, on behalf of, of citizens that you've also represented? Yeah, look, I, I do try to work with people of both parties. Um, I reach across the aisle all the time. And and I also work with people in sort of a nonpartisan context, you know, when we're dealing with a, a big issue that is harming the people of Pennsylvania. We had, for example, 1.9 million people in Western Pennsylvania who were about to lose their health insurance because two CEOs of these health insurance companies were battling. Now, I don't really know what their party registration was. I don't really care. But I knew that we had to bring them together to get something done to protect the good people of Western Pennsylvania. And we did. Um, we got them in a room. We hammered it out. And ultimately, uh, people's health care coverage was protected. That's an example of what I try and do. Reach out to folks, bring them together, and get things done. In the legislature, you know, probably the thing I'm, I'm best known for during my time in the legislature was creating a coalition government, actually, where Democrats had the majority by one seat, um, but couldn't elect a Democratic speaker for all kinds of reasons. And I was able to make an arrangement with a Republican to bring him in as the speaker with the Democrats in control of the committees and the calendar, and ultimately really had a bipartisan government that got a lot done. Uh, that's the kind of approach that I'll bring as governor, reach across the aisle, work together to get things done. Now, to be sure, there are certain things that I won't compromise on. A woman's right to choose, for example. Uh, but everybody on the other side knows me and knows that and knows that that's just not going to be an issue where we're going to be able to, um, you know, kind of compromise. But that doesn't mean that on 98% of the other issues that we can't find common ground, whether it's on infrastructure or investing in our kids' school or economic development, things like that. There are lots and lots of ways that we can come together and find common ground and I'm someone who's done that through my career, and, and I'll do that as governor. Josh, a Attorney Shapiro, uh, Attorney General Shapiro, um, I can't thank you enough for the time you've made uh, for us today and for our listeners. You would, and I believe will make, an outstanding governor of thank Pennsylvania. Um, I've obviously known you a long time. I've yep. been an admirer of yours the entire time. Um, thank you. Uh, and obviously, best of luck. Um, in the current endeavor. Hey, thank you so much, Jim. It is totally cool to be with you. And, you know, I, I reflect a lot on, on the folks I met when we were all starting out on the Hill, you being one of them. And it's so cool for me to see everybody just excelling and doing great things and continuing to make uh, important contributions. And so just want to say thank you to you and, uh, and your team for having me on today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I want to thank you all for listening to the only show created for and about the people who work in government and politics at any level. I do have a quick favor to ask. Please follow, subscribe, and like the show on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Positive reviews are everything in this business, I'm told. And make sure to sign up for episode alerts at staffershow.com and check out Staffer Show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks all. 